0: Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 21. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path, and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away. Because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and grew, and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they're in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, "Your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you." But he answered them, "My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it.: Days like today are going to be it's one of the rare times that I don't feel completely out of my depth. Uh, I'm a farmer. I was born to a farmer, and I was raised on a farm, raised to be a farmer. I was then trained to be a farmer, and then I worked as a farmer. And then when mum and dad sold the farm, I then went and worked at the ag college where I trained other people to be farmers. So here I am teaching you lot the scriptures. Why on earth am I doing that when what I know about is agriculture? And so the parable of the sower, or the parable of the seed and the soil types, this one's one of my favourites, because I actually feel I know some of this stuff, and so I don't feel completely out of my depth. But before we start, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the way that your word speaks to us through everyday examples. Lord, today, as we encounter the sad fact that many who show interest in Jesus do so at a very superficial level, we pray that you would help us to understand why this is so and that you would help us to not be superficial, but to be all in for Jesus and to be fruitful in our faith, getting us through to the joyful harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, oh, bums on seats. Am I allowed to say that in church? I'm not sure. No, I'm not. Too too late. Um, I can edit it out of the video, perhaps. Um, But that used to be the indicator of how church was going, right? You'd sort of, if you had plenty of seats and plenty of people sitting on the seats, well, yep, she's all good. Uh, But this, in this day and age of podcasting and social media and videos and whatnot Um, there's numbers of all different kinds now there's likes there's downloads there's views there's finishes numbers 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 and they seem all very important but much much more important than numbers are things like faith obedience and endurance Through to the harvest. When the numbers were growing for Jesus, um, we're told that a a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him. And how did Jesus respond? Well, he told them the parable of the sower. And essentially, the parable of the sower is about how not everyone who comes to Jesus is going to hold his word true, nor are they going to stick with him through to the end. Some will come and, and, and hear Jesus' teaching and reject it outright. Some will come and, but they'll be very superficial and their faith will die. Others will start out following Jesus but then they'll get distracted by worldly stuff. And so they don't get through to the harvest. But then others are gonna be the good soil. They're the ones who not only hear the word of Jesus, they hold on to that word, they treasure that word, and they patiently endure through suffering. Basically, they not only hear the word of God, they do it, and they live by it through to the harvest. Now, some folk when they read this parable, they might find themselves asking, "Oh all right, well, is, is this type of person saved? And is this type of person saved?" And oh, what's, what's, the, what's the cutoff point? Yeah, uh, But you know what? The parable isn't about... Just scraping through. I mean, to Jesus, that that sort of thinking is an anathema. It's not. It's a nonsense. There is only one soil type that we should aspire to be. If I'm a disciple of Jesus, why would I ever contemplate what's the minimum commitment, or what's the minimum standard, or what's the minimum? Amount of embracing God's word that I should be doing to make sure that I still manage to scrape through. The parable of the sower is about how one can be fully effective in their life as a Christian. It's about will we be the people whom Jesus has saved us to be? You see, when it comes to cropping, a farmer does not plant a seed to produce something green for him to admire for a little while while it grows. Although we do like seeing a nice green crop. But the whole intent of planting a seed is to get that seed growing and to get it to become a plant that's gonna get right through to harvest. The whole intent of planting the seed is for it to produce a crop. It is for it to grow right through to the end. In agronomy, we use the phrase physiological maturity. It's to get the seed to become a plant that then produces a crop, to get it right through to completion. Now, the parable of the sower is about becoming and being what Jesus has saved us to be. And what has Jesus saved us to be? He saved us to be hearers and doers of God's word. Clinging to Jesus, enduring and clinging to his word right through to the end. Now, I'm going to take this reading a little bit out of order today because to understand the parable of the sower, Jesus explains firstly why he teaches with parables in the first place. You know what a parable is? Uh, when I was a kid, we were taught it's an it's a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It basically means Jesus told stories to help us to get. To, to give his message. Now, Jesus tells us why he told parables. Um, and the reason that he tells parables is intertwined with what this parable itself is actually about. So that's where we're going to begin. Over the years, I've been to lots and lots of ministry training sessions where they teach about preaching and teaching. And, and like. So when I was a youth group leader, when I was much younger, they'd teach us about how to teach youth group kids and stuff. And, and almost without exception, at every one of those events, that they would teach us something like, you should use stories. Right? People love to hear stories. People remember stories. Stories are the go. You, you know, and then they'll throw in, Jesus used stories. And the reason Jesus used stories is so that, because that's what everybody can understand. And um, now that all sounded like very wise, sage advice. But the only problem with that piece of often repeated advice is it's not true. It's not true. In fact, Jesus told us that he told stories for exactly the opposite reason. It's so people wouldn't get it. It's so that those who are on the inside will get it and understand it. Uh, By the way, how did they manage to do that? Well, the disciples didn't initially understand it. So then they would come to Jesus and then he would explain it point by point what that story actually meant. So it was actually the solid teaching that helped them to understand it, that the story didn't do that. And so there's those who are on the inside who understand it. Well, there's those who are on the outside who are going to be left wondering, huh? Oh, yeah, I remember that story. Great story. This happened and this happened. What's it about? I don't know. And I've been in churches in the past where people go, oh, the kid's story. That's the best part of the best part of church. The kid's story. I remember it. Yeah. Okay. So what was it about? Uh, yeah, it was this, this and this. Yeah, but what was the message? Uh, now, it'll be different today because the kid story was excellent, Lauren, just excellent kid story. We all know what it's about, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Jesus said to his disciples, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But to others, it's in Parables. So they'll see the same stuff that you see, but they're not really going to see it. And they're going to hear the same stuff that you hear, but they're not going to understand it. And when he said that, he's pretty much quoting the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And the principle of that is when God speaks, there are many who are resistant to what God is saying. Do you agree with that? When God speaks, no matter how clearly he says it, there's many who who are resistant to what God is saying and to those who are resistant to hearing the wisdom of God the things of God will remain concealed and so Jesus spoke in parables so some folk will hear the nice story but they'll be resistant to God's word and they just don't get it and nor will they search for the answer and so the parable of the sower and the parable of the lamp under a jar, and Jesus' response when his mother and brothers came to visit him, every one of those stories that we read just now are all to do with hearing God's word and how we hear it and how we respond when we hear it. In fact, hearing is a key key word right throughout this whole section and it began right back when in I think it was chapter seven when Jesus had finished his sermon on the plain he told the story of the wise man and the foolish man the wise man represents those who when they hear the words of Jesus they do it it's like this wise man who digs down to a deep solid foundation and builds that house on that Whereas the foolish man, he doesn't dig any foundation at all. He just plonks his house down on top of the ground. And when the creek breaks it breaks its banks, it washes the house away. And the foolish man is those who hear the words of Jesus, but don't do it. So it's all about hearing, starting back then. And then today, the parable of the sower, when Jesus finishes telling the parable, he tells us what's about when he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then when he's given the reason for the parables, he says, so that in hearing, they may not understand. And then in the explanation of the parable of the sower, the seed is the word of God, which we are to hear. And and with each of the three failed soil types, there's those who have heard, those who when they hear the word, and those who hear, right? So every one of those three failed soil types all heard the word of God, but they failed. And then those who are the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast. Then we move on to the lamp under the jar, and the whole point of that parable is, take care then how you hear. And Jesus' response, when his mother and brothers come to see him, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. See, it's all about hearing and how we hear and what we do with what we hear. So are we listening today? Are we listening? One of you are. Two of you are. Three of you are. I feel like an auctioneer now. Um, All right, so we're, we're listening, but are we hearing? Often when we read the parable of the sower we only think in terms of fruitfulness as in how much I can achieve for Jesus or how many converts I can get for Jesus or whatever and feel free to take that message home with you as well because that's the whole point of a parable a parable can lead us to to other sorts of godly teachings and and um, things as well um by the way it actually talks about having a hundredfold yield. Now, that's a pretty good yield. Um, if you plant your wheat at, say, 45 kilograms per hectare, hundredfold yield would be 4.5 tonne to hectare. That's a pretty good wheat crop. Um, even today, that's a pretty good wheat crop. But back in Jesus' day, that would have been astronomical um, with their primitive farming methods and with the sorts of varieties that they had back then. But in Jesus' explanation, hearing and how we respond to what we hear, that comes up over and over and over again, while fruit is only mentioned twice. And in fact, in the original Greek, it's only mentioned once. The good soil did bear fruit. And even in that, it's more about talking about it got through to the harvest. And so it's more about fruition. It came to fruition. It got to be what it was meant to be rather than the actual amount of fruit. So let's get into the parable. Today, if we're planting row crops, and I don't think we've got any row crop farmers here today, but if we're planting row crops, we don't usually use the word sowing anymore. You plant a row crop with a precision planter. But if you're planting a broadacre crop of wheat or barley, you may still use the word sow. Does anyone here use the word sow when you're planting a crop? N- no one. I know a lot of South Australians still use the word sow. Um, and a lot are just pure wheat farmers, particularly if they're old, might still use the word sow. That, that's sort of like me. I, I still use the word sow for, for that sort of thing. But the sowing that we do today is much more precise than what it used to be. So uh, these days, planters will plant their crop at a constant depth with with a fixed row spacing at whichever row spacing the farmer desires. And more often than not now, there'll be press wheels that'll that'll firm up, give good soil to seed contact to help with germination. Planting equipment, it's come a long way from our old Chamberlain combine that I remember as a kid. But even the old Chamberlain Combine is light years ahead of how the planting was done in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, the seed was all hand broadcast. It's the same as what you might throw out a bit of fertiliser on the lawn today. Who here uses a hand to throw fertiliser out on the lawn? You do. Well, Mandy, I, I used to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I think it's probably two years ago. My my son showed me how effective his little little fertilizer spreader was, and I thought, yeah, I guess there's no reason I don't have one of those. And uh, but so up until two years ago, I used to spread it all out by hand broadcasting. And and Mandy, when you get when you've done a fair bit of it, you can actually be pretty even with spreading it. And I think I can probably spread it just as even with that as what I can with the with a little spreader. But the thing is, you, you can't spread it, you can't stop, can't control exactly where it goes, right? Um, if you've ever done that, you'll realise that the is inevitably going to land on the concrete footpath or on the veranda or go through the fence into the neighbour's place. And hand broadcasting is not a precision application method. And so Jesus told the story about a sower, hand-broadcasting the seed, throwing it out, and, but the emphasis isn't on the sower. The emphasis is on the soil type on which the seed lands. Some of it fell on the path, and it got walked over, and the birds came and gobbled that up. The birds snatched it away. Some of it fell on the rock, and when it says it fell in the rock, dip, the different parables tell different things. So in one of the other gospels of this same parable, it talks about it falling on stony soil. So that soil with stones mixed in. In this case, it's actually landing on the stone. So it's either a, a shelf of rock with a th- layer of thin soil above it, or it could actually be a big rock with a crack in it, with a bit of soil in it or whatever. Either way. When the seed lands in that tiny little bit of soil and actually gets growing because there's moisture there, it doesn't go for very long because there isn't much moisture there and the crop just shrivels. Some of it fell among the thorns. And um, the thing with most problem weeds, of which thorns are a good example, uh, is they are much more vigorous than the rest of the crop that we're trying to grow and they overrun it. So, for us back on our farm at Gundawindi, we, we had really soil that was really high in nitrogen. It was, it was young brigolo soil. So brigolo, melon, whole country, really high in nitrogen, grew really high protein wheat. But the problem with that is thistles also grow really well where there's high nitrogen. And so we'd have scotch thistle and variegated thistle. And if a spot where it had gone to seed one year, and then it grew in that spot again, it would be so thick and so lush, these thistles, it would completely choke the crop out. There would be no crop left. And that's sort of what it's getting at here. But then some of the seed fell on good soil. And the Greek literally says, it made fruit. The focus isn't on the actual yield. The focus is that it made fruit. In other words, it got through to physiological maturity. It did what the crop was supposed to do. It made it all the way through. And in this case, what a blessing it was, hundredfold increase. And he said these things and he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Maybe this is pretty important. And the disciples took that command very seriously because when they heard Jesus tell that parable, they didn't get it. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying. And so they went to Jesus and said, please explain, and he did. And Jesus began his explanation by telling them why he uses parables. It's so not everybody does get it. But those who are on the inside have opportunity to know the secret. And so the disciples gained understanding because that's what they sought. They got understanding because they came to Jesus and said, can you explain it to us? And this goes for us as well. When we read something in the Bible, we mightn't get it straight away. I mightn't get it straight away. But that's why God has given, that's why God has gifted people as being preachers and teachers to help to explain God's Word. And so if we hear God's Word and don't understand it, the first step is to study it some more. Don't just give up. That's that's letting the, the devil swoop down and just snatch it away. Don't just give up keep searching read it again read it again read a bit wider read a paragraph before and a paragraph after read a chapter before and a chapter after read that whole book of the bible and and keep praying lord reveal to me what you what you're saying in what i've just read and if you still don't get it then look to the godly wisdom of bible teachers and god will reveal his mysteries to those who are genuinely seeking to understand. Right, so, so back to the parable and Jesus' explanation. The seed's the word of God. And every soil type, every single one listed, are types of people. They're all people who hear the word of God, but they respond differently when they hear it. The ones along the path, are those who have heard. But the, the devil comes and, and snatches away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Did you know that whenever the word of God is preached, a spiritual battle is being waged for one's soul? The word of God has the potential to save. And the devil doesn't want people to be saved. And those who reject God's word are willing participants in this. We're told in the parable that the seed was trampled underfoot. The the word of God is precious. The word of God is, is something to be cherished. But many, when they hear it, they despise it. They feel that that doesn't have any value to me. That's not of interest to me. So they hear it, but they disregard it. And that's a a personal decision. That's a personal decision for every one of us when we hear God's word, if we're gonna take notice of it or whether we don't. But the thing is, once we've done that and made the decision to reject the word of God, then the devil does something else. He comes in and snatches it away. And so when God's spoken to us through his word, and we go, yeah, I don't think I really want to know about that. You know what? It be, won't be long and you won't even think about it again anymore because once you reject it, the devil just snatches it away and it's gone. The next soil type is the soil on the rock and that's those who when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing, fall away now testing it can be temptations to sin but usually in the, when the Bible's talking about testing it's talking about persecution and so in other words some will hear the word of God and respond with a heap of joy and decide yeah I'm going to become a Christian and they believe for a while and they have faith for a while For their commitment's short-lived. And you know what? As we go through some of these different soil types, you'll probably think of people, some friends of yours or acquaintances, and you've seen this happen throughout the church. People who come and they're so excited to be Christians, but then their faith in a short time. It's just as if they never believed in the first place. The example here is as soon as they're persecuted for their faith, And as soon as they experience the cost of being a disciple of Jesus, they fall away. What does it mean to fall away? Well, if you believe in the the human teaching of once saved, always saved, you're going to have a fair bit of trouble with what this is saying because this is saying they had faith for a while, but then they didn't. And the Greek word that's used here literally indicates removing oneself from a particular relationship. They did have faith for a while. They were in relationship with Jesus, but then at a time of testing, they rebelled and removed themselves from the relationship. And the image that Jesus is using is that of a young plant that's sucked up all the moisture that's there and there's none left and just completely shrivels and it doesn't make it through to the harvest. Then comes the soil with the weeds growing on it. Ah, weeds, the bane of a farmer's life. What do you think of weeds, Mitch? You're not a farmer. I've seen you plant oats and stuff. (laughs) Weeds, horrid things. Some of the weeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. The thorns, by the way, the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And did you notice the thorns were there all along? The seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up with the faith that was trying to develop. Guess which one won out? It's disastrous To try and grow a crop, unless you kill the weeds before you plant it or as you plant it. Uh, A new crop cannot compete with established weeds. The weeds will just get bigger and bigger, and the crop will just be completely choked out. And that's why there's no repentance, sorry, no salvation without repentance. When you became a Christian, you were born again. You repented of sin. You don't hold on to sin any, anymore. You turned away from that. The old man or the old woman was put to death and you became a new creation in Christ. To become a disciple of Jesus means the cares, the riches, the pleasures in life. That means questing for luxury and decadence in life. If that's all of the quest, quests of life, But all of that's been put to death. Those weeds have been sprayed out so that we can now live a new life in Christ that will flourish. And Jesus said that people who follow after the cares and riches and pleasures in life, their fruit does not mature. Now, that's not the best translation. The Greek word doesn't actually mention fruit. It actually saying it didn't carry through to completion. What didn't? The crop. The crop did not carry through to completion. In other words, the crop choked out by weeds didn't make it through to physiological maturity, didn't make it through to when the harvest would take place. But now we come to the good soil. On the good soil, the crop does make it through to physiological maturity. It does make it through to harvest and it produces a bountiful crop, hundredfold. And Jesus said, these are those who hearing the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Who wants to be good soil? Anyone here want to be good soil? Good, good response. That is to be someone who will carry the seed that God has planted in your heart through to the harvest, being what Jesus has saved us to be. And there's three characteristics of being good soil. One, not only hearing the word, but holding it fast. Uh, like a ship steering a course and heading for a certain point. We hear the word of God, we receive the word of God and we continue to hold fast to the word of God. The second characteristic of being good soil is having the right kind of heart, an honest heart, a good heart. And this is where I really need the Holy Spirit to come in to help me here, because none of us are good. But we've got an image here of a heart truly submitted to God, and by his Holy Spirit, he transforms us to be what he saved saved us to be, to make our hearts good and honest. And the third characteristic of being good soil is endurance patience perseverance it's sticking it out into the end to use the agronomy term it's when the crop reaches physiological maturity it's making it through to the harvest the parable of the sower is about becoming and being and continuing to be what jesus has saved us to be And what has Jesus saved us to be? He saved us to be hearers and doers of God's word, clinging to Jesus, enduring, and clinging to his word right through to the end. And at that point, Jesus immediately backs that parable up with another one, the story of the lamp under a jar. Now, that's an insane thing to do. Who lights a lamp and then covers it up with a jar? Or who lights a lamp and then throws their bedding over it? Now, to understand what Jesus is saying about the lamp and the jar, the first thing we need to do is realise that he's giving us a different lesson here to what he does in Matthew. He uses the same example, the same story of putting a lamp under a jar, but it's giving us a different lesson. In the Gospel of Matthew, it's about being a witness for Jesus. He's saying, let your light shine. Let your works, your good works be seen by men, and then they'll give God glory. Now, that's the way most of us think of this parable of the lamp under a jar. But here in Luke, Jesus is using the same story, but in a different way. In Luke, it's about the word of God. It's about the teachings of Jesus. And it's about what we do with what we hear. God's word is light. It illuminates. It shows us the way. Now, are we going to let God's word illuminate for us? Are we going to let God's word shine for us? Or when we hear God's word, does it make us a little bit uncomfortable and go, I'm not actually sure I want to know about that. And so we cover it up. To hear the word of God and to not do it, to not abide by it, is like the three failed soil types in the parable of the sower. But ignoring God's word and ignoring the preaching of Jesus doesn't end well. Because not only does light illuminate, light exposes. I've lived through a few mouse plagues Um, Robin and I lived in an old caravan through a very bad mouse plague and it uh, wasn't mouse proof. It wasn't the most lovely of times. Um, Robin keeps reminding me of it. Uh, But if you you went into a shed during a mouse plague uh, in the night time, there in the darkness you could hear mice scurrying around And you could hear them gnawing and you sort of think, oh, I wonder what they're wrecking now. And you're picturing all your nice precision equipment in the shed and thinking of the wiring looms on those that the mice are chewing on. And then, oh, yuck. And then you turn the light switch on and all of a sudden the mice are there and in probably a fraction of a second, they do a runner. They're just out of there, thousands of them. It's horrible. The light exposes, and God's word does the same thing. It illuminates the way for the godly to live. And for those who are godly, the word of God is like putting the light up on a light stand for us to live by. Wow, I can see. I know what's good and evil. I know how God intends me to live, and that's how I'm gonna live. But others put the word of God out of sight out of mind, but that's only going to be temporary. Because there will come a day when nothing is hidden and Jesus returns, and on the day of judgment, all will be exposed. It'll be like turning on that light, and all those miles are going to go. <clears throat> and so Jesus says, Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. It's the same lesson as the parable of the sower. Those who hold firm to the word of God and endure will be blessed. But those who don't endure, those who don't hold firm to the word of God, what they think they have, right? That crop might have thought it got going, but then it just died away what they think they have, will be taken away. And the final lesson, when Jesus' family turned up, they they wanted to reach Jesus, but because there were so many crowds, they couldn't get to him. And Jesus uses this as an object lesson. We're given a picture of them standing on the outside. And he says, my mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Right. So Jesus wasn't having a dig at his family. It was a lesson for those who are on the inside. His family at that point, they were on the outside. Those who are on the inside were those who hear the word of God and do it. Each one of these stories are all teaching us the one lesson. They're about becoming and being what Jesus has saved us to be. You and I, We've been saved to be hearers and doers of God's word, clinging to Jesus, enduring, and clinging to his word right through to the end. God has planted the seed in our heart with the express intent for us to grow through, for us to endure through to the harvest. And my prayer is that each one of us here would endure, that we would hold fast to the faith that we have and that we would mature to the day of harvest, holding on to the word of God and being hearers and doers of God's word. Amen.